I try not to do this sort of thing reflexively, I swear. If every time something went wrong with any of the teams that I cover and I called for somebody to be fired, released, traded, cut, or whatever, it'd be not only BS on my part to be behaving like that, but it would also be unprofessional and really unsightly, you know, from your perspective. But man, tell me what I'm supposed to do with this GM. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning from Tampa, Florida. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, both of whom appear to be a lot better run than your favorite hockey team at the moment. Uh, I am not someone who's going to pound Michael Granlund seven feet deep. I think he's a nice hockey player. I think he'd be a nice addition to any of 32 rosters in the NHL. But I think there's got to be context for this sort of thing. Because when you are Ron Hextall, and it could not be clearer to you what's been ailing your team all season long. And when I say clear, I don't mean even to your expert trained GM's eye. I'm talking about to Joe Blow on the street, to anybody. You could see you need a new third line, a completely new third line. You can see the Teddy Bluger's Shot. You can see that the defense is lacking mobility. You can see that there's no backup goaltending. You could see what the problems were. So you first needed to address the subtraction and you needed to address it like several weeks ago. But no, you wait until the crowd chants fire Hextall, fire Hextall. And then. Then you react to it. Then you put Kasperi Kapanen on waivers. Then you put Brock McGinn on waivers. Then you trade Teddy Bluger for a third round pick. And you do all of this to amass a significant pile of salary cap space. More than $5 million. And you're this close to getting any number of players who can address just one of your shortcomings, just one of those things that I just listed. And instead, you go out and get a a guy who just doesn't fit any of that, who doesn't fit any of that for whatever virtues Granlund has as a hockey player. And again, I'm not here to knock him. He's not any of those things that you needed. And you get him for the full amount. Nashville doesn't retain any salary this year, next year, or the year after that when Granlund will be 33 years old. What in the flaming hell is going on? I mean, I I don't even have cogent commentary for this. It's so nonsensical. I guess maybe the healthier and fairer thing to do would be to say, what would you have done? What would I have done? I'm not a GM. I don't have, I don't think, his expertise. 
But if you put me in a spot where all of a sudden I'm sitting on $5 million of cap money and I hear that Jacob Chikrin is being shopped around, young, 24-year-old lefty defenseman who connects on every breakout pass. And by the way, if you're not griping enough about the Penguins' lack of transition game with their current blue line crew, then you're not griping about the right things, okay? Because that's one of them that's real high, and I really paid a lot of attention to that. The game in Nashville from their pseudo press box up in the corner of the rink. Chikrin ends up going to Ottawa for a package of draft picks, which the Penguins have. And the Senators will have to pay Chikrin, which the Penguins also have. What they don't have is a mobile blue line, at least not mobile enough. But he let that go. Didn't win on it. You know, can't win them all. I get that. But you can win some, right? Where was he on Ryan O'Reilly? That's still the one that gnaws at me more than anything else. O'Reilly is everything this team needed. Stanley Cup winning, not just Stanley Cup winning guy in St. Louis, but the guy, in my eyes, the guy who led the Blues to that championship more than any other player. A centerman who's big, can fly like the wind, all the skill in the world, uh, grit galore, pedigree, exactly who you bring in to a situation like this. He instead ends up going to Toronto and kind of a complicated three-team deal. But the bottom line was the Blues got, say it with me, a bunch of draft picks. And a, a prospect of some repute and an NHL player that nobody cares about. And that was it. That was it. Where was Hextall? Was he even trying to make moves at that time? Or was he going to wait until there was a chant at PPG Paints Arena to get active? I don't know. I don't have that answer because I don't think like that. You know, I, I can't put myself in that brain that's working like that. It doesn't make sense to me. None of this does. None of it. You're bringing in a guy who's not going to take Jeff Carter's place as a third line center. And if he does, it'll be in name only because he's not going to be all that different. He's a playmaking, smallish center who has a very low finishing rate, as we saw with our own eyes the other night in Nashville when he had two clean breakaways on Tristan Jari, couldn't put away either of them. He's okay. In a normal setting, you'd like him. This is anything but a normal setting with this guy running the show. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q could have been any of a hundred plus entries, and I'm not exaggerating. A lot of them were filled with all kinds of invectives, not for me, obviously, but, you know, at the proper targets. And it was uh, it was rough picking one. It really was. I have to say that before I read this one from Martha, who asks, how many people think that Hextall's latest moves are smelling of sabotage? As a huge fan, I am extremely upset and worried. It's amazing how many people bring this up 
in a serious context. And I mean serious, like drop dead serious. That Hextall is some double agent who was sent across the Commonwealth by the evil Flyers, Inc. to destroy their arch enemy from within. Only they're serious. Now, I don't think you are, Martha. I'd, I'd think better of your mental health than to suggest something like that. But people had a reaction to Hextall when he was brought in as GM. And a lot of it was they thought of him not only as a flyer, but also as that guy who in goal uh, was animated, competitive, uh, really, really spirited. And when he was at his best in terms of tending goal, and he had a few years there where he was really something, it looked like it it fueled him. Whatever happened to that player and that character compared to this GM and his approach, I can't, again, begin to understand. I can't begin to explain it, begin to attempt to explain it. But I do know that if you're looking for kindred spirits when it comes to assessing Hextall, Flyers fans are your friends right now. Listen to what they have to say. I have spoken with people who are uh, my counterparts in the Philadelphia media about Hextall. They all say the same thing. Could not possibly have been a worse fit. When he got to the Flyers, his belief was that they were doing a lot of things wrong, including still putting way too much emphasis on the old school toughness and fighting and all that Bobby Clark, Paul Holmgren stuff that seemed like it would never be cleansed out of that organization. He wanted to get them to playing a speed game, a fast game, a skilled game, a more modern game. And he had some drafts where he did some pretty good things. They seemed like great things at the time because a lot of these players, notably Carter Hart, the goaltender, looked like high-end prospects and the Flyers had really built themselves something that was just on the cusp of getting special. When that didn't happen, some people blamed the head coach, some people blamed this or that or some players on the team or whatever, but ultimately it was Hextall who couldn't install the last remaining needed pieces. And that's what I hear from people from that side on a consistent basis about him, but especially now is that he'll look okay, he'll sound okay as a GM, but when it comes time to making NHL-level moves, meaning real-life hockey trades that bring in players to help you now, he'll blow your mind, and not in a good way. And that's what just happened here. The ramifications of this trade, in a negative sense, are going to be felt for a long time, too. Because we can get into some of that uh, eventually, but, you know, Jason Zucker is up after this year. Tristan Jari is up after this year. You just you just added this guy that you don't need for $5 billion over each of the next three? I can't. I just can't. I'm going to cover this game tonight here in Tampa. And I'm going to spend the rest of the weekend down south, uh, further south here of Tampa, covering baseball. And I got to tell you, it's going to feel at least a little bit good, you know? 